0: This is an Irreverent podcast. Check out irreverent.fm for shows from all our friends. Hello and welcome to Expangelical. I'm your host, Blake Chastain. My guest this week is Christopher Allen Maloney. He is the director of the new documentary, In God We Trump, which is available now, streaming on Amazon and iTunes. This episode is actually a little bit different than most. It was essentially a live-to-tape interview. Um, What that means is that I really haven't edited this, um, and I did record it at my house, Um, so you may hear the noises of things like my dog and uh, moving around or that sort of thing. Um, And I'm also including and leaving in some of the different pauses and things like that As I um, start to formulate other uh, questions and things like that And there was even uh, one retake that I am again sort of keeping in This is a little bit of an experiment for the feed here And it will be something you'll see again in the feed soon When I publish the most recent episode uh, that we recorded live at City Lit Books with Josiah Hessa alessandra Agusen and ryan connell and chris stroop um which was a great event that we just had this past week here in chicago at city lit books um so i hope you enjoy this conversation again we this is with christopher alan maloney and we talk about his documentary in god we trump which is a very interesting and really helpful movie that puts together in a really accessible way what sort of led to evangelicals supporting Trump in the fashion that they did. It goes into the past as far as what, how the Christian right developed as well as different topics about why evangelicals only really care about abortion and gay marriage um, and other sort of hot button issues that really motivate the evangelical vote and the commentators that he enlists uh, are are really wonderful and include even a prior Exvangelical evangelical guest, Samantha Field. Um, So I hope you enjoy this conversation, and check out the movie, which is, again, streaming now. Of course, you can always follow me on Twitter at BRChastain. You can follow the show at Pod. You can join the Exvangelical Facebook group, Just search Facebook for Exvangelical. There are three short screening questions, and then um, you can join. Um, (laughs) uh, Let's see. What else? What else? You can support the show via Patreon at patreon.com slash exvangelicalpod. And tell people about the show. Rate and review it. Um, Someone thought that I was an intolerant bigot. Um, so if you want to provide a counterpoint to that, feel free to do so over at iTunes or Apple podcasts. I would certainly appreciate it. Um, and otherwise let's get into it. Hi everyone. And welcome back to X My guest this week is Christopher Alan Maloney. He is the writer and director of the new and just recently released documentary in God We Trump. Welcome to the show, Christopher. Thanks, man. Thanks for thanks for coming on. We are actually recording um, on Wednesday evening. I'm going to publish it this this week, and I, I really appreciate you uh, being available at this 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 time and everything. And and but I'm I'm really glad we're able to talk. Your movie was just released this week, correct?
1: Uh, today, in fact. Oh, yes. great,
0: great, awesome. Well, before we get into your movie, uh, let's. I'd, I'd love to learn a little bit more about yourself and uh, really what what your background is and what led you to, uh, eventually want to tackle a sort of topic like evangelicalism and, and the election of Donald Trump.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, so I was born in, uh, Southern Ohio, uh, pretty close to Kentucky. So that, that little region down there, Ohio and Kentucky and Indiana, that Mm -hmm. tri-state area is where I'm from. And so most of my, family, like both sides of my family are from Kentucky. So it's, even though it's you know, Ohio, it's a a lot of the influence in my family came from like Southern traditions. And what went along with that was also like Southern church traditions. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: my, yeah, so my, I'm I'm sorry to
0: interrupt. I, I just, uh, I'm very, I can relate to that. My, my extended family is, uh, from Southern Indiana, and it, they call that area Kentuckiana. Um, You know, it's so it's so prevalent and so so very Southern in a lot of ways that a lot of I don't think a lot of people there are not from this area, from those sorts of border areas really really get. Right. It. Yeah. So sorry. Yeah, continue.
1: I, <laughs> no, it's yeah. Like my the town that I grew up in was about thirty minutes or so from the border of Kentucky, which is just it might as well be Kentucky. <laughs> it was yeah. really like culturally, it's, it's the South, I would say.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I grew up uh, going to church and it was a really big part of my childhood. And um, it, it was, it wasn't that bad, actually. Um, I know I, I, I do hear a lot of stories of uh, spiritual abuse that are very prevalent. And I, I think I got out pretty easy um, mm. there were things that made me uncomfortable and things that, um, I didn't really, that didn't sit well with me even as a kid, I think. But, um, on the whole, all it did was kind of cause me to question a lot of things.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then when I got to be about, um, probably 16 or 17, that was when, uh, George W. Bush was president and I was being very deeply affected by all these people that were dying from what I could tell needlessly in Iraq. And yet like the church that I went to, everyone there was his biggest fan and seemed to have no, not only not have any problem with the war in Iraq, they supported it even though people were dying and also seemed to think that like somehow George W. Bush was like a, a, an ordained servant of God, or mm. that somehow like supporting the war and being patriotic was part of being a Christian. So by this point, I had started to question things a little bit anyways, and then when I saw just kind of how how intertwined those things were, it really started to to upset me. And I I don't think I even was able to say exactly what it was. But for some reason, the the fact that there was an American flag up in the church sanctuary right next to the Christian flag,
0: Mm -hmm. um,
1: that that sounded some alarms in my head that maybe something wasn't right. Mm. So then as my as I became kind of more liberal, as I got older and, and went through college and I saw that it just didn't didn't line up at all with the like brand of Christianity that I was familiar with
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so um how it led to the film was that i you know I still consider myself a Christian, but I haven't really been active in church for a couple of years now, and I think that i had I must have just gotten out of touch with the church community in America enough that when evangelicals got so behind Trump, um, it really surprised me. Mm, mm-hmm. And so the surprise of it and kind of the shock and the grief of it, um, led me to look back into this world that I thought I knew so well. And mm-hmm. that was kind of the, that was what started the whole, the whole film process.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that uh, so so that's very interesting that that your initial sorts of sorts of doubts and and concerns about evangelicalism's priorities uh, was sort of tipped off by by its support for the earlier Republican uh, administration of right of yeah W he's, Bush he's,
1: yeah and we look back mm-hmm. at him like he wasn't that bad right I mean he was <laughs> he was pretty bad in my opinion but yeah yeah. Um, if we're grading on the curve, then I guess he, he does a lot better. But yeah, like the – there was this um, – it was like Memorial Day or Fourth of July or something when I was going to the Church of Christ in high school. And there was this, this really, really cheesy um, pandering presentation that showed like all the – these images of the armed forces – while it was playing like god bless america or something Mm -hmm. and this was happening in church like instead of worship music instead of hymns Mm -hmm. and everyone was standing to their feet with their hands on their hearts and i thought i'm I'm not sure these things go together and Mm i and it, it it troubled me to see like how emotionally people were reacting because to me, it just kind of made me uncomfortable. And I thought, actually, the the preacher, after it was over, said, if you're not standing up right now, there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I hadn't been moved to my feet. And I thought, I guess there's something wrong with me. Like, as, uh, from the lens of the church and the church leadership, I guess there is something wrong with me.
0: Mm-hmm. And so it was that that sort of this blending of, of nationalism and patriotism and militarism, um, that just did not sort. That led to this sort of cognitive dissonance for you, um, and how that was sort of mixed into your the Christian messages that were also being taught. Um, was that something that you saw um, with within other people in your community, like in either in your church or people that were that were either your age or pe- other people that you knew? Was anyone else sort of feeling those same sort of uh, conflicted emotions and and thoughts about? about that at the time?
1: You know, there were a few, but, um, I, it's only been years later that we've kind of connected and, and admitted that we, that we were having those same concerns. It's like at the time, no one knew how to put it into words because no one was yet saying that they were deconstructing their faith or like the term evangelical. Mm-hmm. like, you know, people weren't really saying things like that, at least not to my knowledge. Um, I do remember talking to actually one of the sponsors of our youth group at the time about – I knew that he kind of was more liberal than most of the people in the church, so I felt like I could at least ask him questions. I thought um, I could at least like talk things out with him without being – without looking like I was being disloyal to the church or something. Mm, mm-hmm. And he, and, and he was very helpful because he would talk about, he was very educated and pretty progressive. And he would talk about how, you know, his, his views of, of Christ and Christianity did not necessarily line up with the churches, but, you know, he knew that his wife liked going there and his kids liked going there, but he personally like had some of the same questions that I had. So Mm. It was, there were like a few people I could find, but for the most part, um, no one cared enough to, to really do anything about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And people like, like that sponsor and his livelihood was tied up in it. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like if I think if people knew that he was talking to me like at a youth retreat about how. You know, I was right to have those concerns and how how I was right to not necessarily identify Jesus's teachings with the way the church was presenting them. Um, You know, maybe they wouldn't have wanted him to be part of the, the youth group or something. Right. You know, that's something that kind of always the reason why I haven't really been involved in going to church the last couple of years is because there's like a certain certain things are just supposed to be taken on certainty mm. that mm-hmm. you're supposed to just believe and there aren't really supposed to be questions around certain things
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that kind of finality um is you know that just stops any kind of growth in my opinion
0: yeah so let's fill in a, a, a some of those years between the the uh the Bush administration and And Trump's election before we sort of get into this, because because you mentioned that you were surprised and I'm with you. I was one of those one of those folks that, you know, knew and had a lot of experience within evangelical circles, but still didn't, you know, thought that Trump's sort of election would just be a bridge too far, uh, which
1: it just didn't end up being. And they they happily crossed that bridge. (laughs) Yeah, Um, it was this big game of chicken. mm -hmm. Like I, I kept thinking you know, uh, they, want, it, they, I kept thinking if Trump gets the the nomination from the Republican party, then even evangelicals will be forced to vote for someone else. Mm-hmm. I can, I can, I wasn't surprised obviously that they are mostly Republican, but I thought it would, you know, they'd be happy with someone like, uh, Ted Cruz, but not someone like Trump. And then when it came to that, there was really this choice that they had to make Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and, and they made one that kind of, you know, made me lose all, all faith in them. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that before,
0: while once you went to college and everything, you sort of became more, more liberal. Was that a pretty steady progression in that sort of direction? Or did you, during those times, did you, Uh, continue to sort of exist in evangelical spaces or go to evangelical churches that sort of thing
1: yeah i i did go like throughout throughout high school i went um i i grew up going to a nazarene church and then a Mm -hmm. church of christ and then a baptist church Mm
2: -hmm.
1: they were all very very conservative so i kind of i kind of saw myself as the odd one out but you know, I, I, I wasn't even really thinking of myself as liberal. I was just concerned with, I just naturally, um, I had compassion for people. <laughs> yeah. And I found that that, um, just didn't, didn't really line up with the things that my parents believed or the things that the, the leaders in the churches I was going to believed. Um, there was this one, time when i was going to a baptist church and the the pastor was well they used to to you probably saw this like in sunday school they would pass around these voter guides and they would try to like they would tell you like here's why you vote for george w bush or whoever Um, here's why you don't vote for whoever the other person was so that kind of thing would happen at church at the baptist church Mm -hmm. and then also um the pastor was was reading the speech by George W. Bush, like as part of his sermon, mm-hmm. like praising the policies that he was going for. And um, I got up and walked out because I I just couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. Like um, so I guess like like I said, I didn't really have the language yet to talk about Christian nationalism or toxic Christianity, but it was something that didn't sit well with me and kind of started this whole path that I've been on for the past 10, 15 years of just like trying to get back to the basics of what I think that my faith is Mm -hmm. and keeping out anything that gets in the way of that, including going to those kinds of churches.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I want to spend a lot of time talking about the movie. So you meant, you mentioned like, like this. This was the surprise. You know, this was the the thing that that a lot of us didn't think could be possible, um, because we sort of basically thought, sort of the angels of our better nature. You know <laughs> that that those sorts of that these sort of things that that Trump would said during the campaign would disqualify him from evangelical support um mm-hmm. and your movie sort of just uh you know s- opens with with revisiting that that election night and sort of how how it began to unfold and then then you begin to sort of unpack um how these how these sorts of structures had already been in place for a while to support someone like Trump um Let's talk a little bit, though, about sort of your reaction that that election night and and then what sort of got started the, the wheels turning for this particular project of your movie, uh, In God We Trump.
1: Yeah, it was a bad night, man. Um, I find that everyone – that's kind of the question that you can ask. Like, what was your reaction to the 2016 election? And everyone has their own story about it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like – it's one of those things that I think – our generation. It'll be like the Kennedy assassination. Like everyone remembers where they were, what they were doing, how they felt, what the next few days were like, or like, um, the September 11th attacks. It's one of those traumatic moments Mm -hmm. of, of world significance that also like gives each person an individual story. So, uh, let's see. I, I wasn't concerned really. I mean, I figured I would just My wife and I just figured we would tune in and watch the results come in, see Hillary Clinton be the president-elect, and then go to bed early. Mm -hmm. And then it just – yeah, just everything that we thought we could count on was suddenly pulled out from under us. And it it was really frightening. Um, So – Yeah. So the, the, the next few days, like I I had to explain to my daughter the next day what had happened. She was old enough to kind of understand what was going on. She was six at the time. And I talked to her about, um, I had to explain how the person who got the most votes did not win. And that was hard for her to understand. It's hard for me to understand, but, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, kind of in that, in that grief and in that recognition of, of what a of loss it was for the country and for me and my family. I, um, I The part that I was most baffled by was the way that evangelicals had turned out for Trump because he got a higher percentage of the evangelical vote than anybody ever had. Mm-hmm. So even people like George W. Bush, who they loved— and Mitt Romney, who they kind of loved, had a problem with because he was Mormon, but they, they pretty much liked him for the most part. Or like John McCain, like they they weren't able to get the evangelicals out as much as Trump did. And they all had, I would say, better moral centers and higher ideas of character than he did. So I was very baffled by that and confused and kind of disgusted because like I said, it was the world I came from. It was the world I knew. It was like mm-hmm. my, my parents and grandparents and whole heritage and whole town. So right, I there, I knew that I realized there must be something that I was missing because I was so surprised by it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that, so I just kind of for my own, I think I kind of needed something to do with all my, all the grief I was feeling. So as kind of a Personal project almost, I kind of started trying to do my own research on connecting the dots mm-hmm. to see what had happened in the evangelical Christian community that led them to make a choice with their vote that gives character a total pass. And so in, my, in what I was doing, um, in the like footage I was watching, the things I was reading, I, I started kind of collecting them all in one place. All along thinking, I'm sure someone – I'm sure a filmmaker is going to tell this story in film form. And when someone is telling this story, I'll stop with this project because there will be someone else that will help me understand. Hmm. And then that just didn't happen. So I just kept going. And then yeah, just kept going till the film was finished. Like I, I pulled together a lot of people who were more knowledgeable than I was to be the people that I interviewed. And then like my job was to connect all that knowledge in story form and try to make it compelling. So at the end, I, f- I feel like I do understand how he got the evangelical vote. Um, I don't feel good about it. Like it doesn't make me feel any better that I understand it, but I at least wanted to put the dots together to let people know this is how it happened
2: mhm
0: yeah and uh, and i i think that that comes across well in the movie i um i i certainly appreciated having having that sort of context and i i do think that it, that something like this movie um is helpful for folks that do not necessarily like live and breathe this this sort of criticism and and commentary. Um, because I, I do think that, you know, this, this event, just like you said, it it did cause a lot of people to sort of reckon with their upbringing. Um, and, and it, uh, and as a result, like having, having resources like this to make thing to make this sort of information accessible, um, is, is a very, very good thing to have out there in the world.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, one of, one of the, Thank you. Um, One thing that I was surprised by was that my grandmother uh, was Pentecostal Mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, you know, church was incredibly important to her. She was very conservative. And I found out that um, she voted for Hillary Clinton, to my surprise, because she um, she was living in a nursing home at the time and hadn't been able to go to church regularly and i think what happened was that she was isolated enough to not really be a victim of groupthink anymore mm. so she just watched the debates on her own in her on her little tv in her in the room that she lived in in the nursing home and then just decided from the debates i think i like her better than i like him so she voted for her without like consulting anyone else which i thought was really interesting
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I I want to pick out a, a couple of things because I, uh, I about the the movie and just sort of focus on on some of them as as examples. Um, one of the one of the things that early on uh, in the movie, you one of your one of your commentators talked about was that evangelicals felt frustrated by the last eight years or so of the Obama administration and. Um, the way in which things had begun to liberalize and secularize and, and that sort of thing. Um, what I suppose, like w- within, within that context, what, what do you think was the, the most sort of frustrating thing? And, and do you think that it was out of, do you think anger is the, the most motivating factor for evangelical voters or is it something else?
1: Yeah, I think anger is part of it. I think overall, uh, evangelicals can see that, you know, their, their group in the world is certainly not expanding. It's not getting bigger and bigger. It's getting smaller and smaller. I mean, even like there's a secularization happening here in America. You know fewer people go to church than used to, and I think that it's like I think it's the result of of people seeing like their way of life on its way out mm-hmm. and so it was like this last uh gasp to make themselves heard mm-hmm. um But yeah, I think anger is part of it. I think, um, I think the abortion thing has become really, uh, outsized as a single issue. It's become like bigger than anything else for evangelicals. It's like the one thing I think they think of when they vote.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, so I think that was part of it. Uh, now like the bigger picture, which I, I was just talking about to someone about this the other day, like, Um, I think that being pro-life is fantastic if it's actually pro-life, not just pro-birth, which we talk about in the film a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like there's this idea that, you know, pro-lifers are, care so much about babies and care so much about vulnerable children. But I think more accurately is that they care about babies being born and then what happens to them afterward it's not really their concern anymore. right? So like, you know, they to me, pro-life means being against the death penalty mm-hmm. and like putting gun safety measures in place so that children aren't afraid when they go to school. Mm-hmm. Like to me, pro-life encompasses a lot of things and that's terrific. But pro pro-life as far as just babies being born should not be the only thing that people think about when they vote. And I think, unfortunately, that is the only thing that many evangelicals think about when they vote. And also, you know, I don't know, like uh, Trump said, like he didn't really do that good a job making the case that he was a Christian. Like he went to church a couple times during mm-hmm. the campaign and right. he used to bring his Bible around. But, you know, I, I think anybody could see through that pretty well. Right. Um, on the other hand, like Barack Obama has spoken and written about his personal relationship with Jesus Christ and about what it meant to him, and that didn't register with white evangelical voters for some reason. Like that's not—they right. don't recognize that type of Christianity.
0: Right, because he's not, a because he's a Democrat and a person of color. <laughs>
1: Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. Right. So, um, but yeah, to answer your question, I think it was, it, it was anger. It was anger about, it was anger about, um, same sex marriage, like the Supreme court making that the law of the land. I think they were very pissed off about that. And they were very pissed off about, um, like you said, having a black man as the leader of the country. I think, uh, that was, we were almost like paying the price. Now for having a black man as the leader of the nation, like, that was so insulting to so many white evangelical conservative Christian voters
2: mm-hmm.
1: that we we had to pay for that somehow mm-hmm. and their revenge uh, for lack of a better word was certainly not going to allow a person of color to be followed up by a woman so it had to go back to you know the same people who are in power in evangelical structures which is the white guy up at the top
0: mhm which i think is something that that you do contextualize well within the footage of of showing different televangelists and um uh, delivering those sorts of messages that are that are both problematic in uh in regards to what they say about race as well as what they say about gender um and that was something that that like televangelism and these sorts of Um, the spokespeople of evangelicalism that are TV figures. That was, that was definitely something that was not um, sort of on my radar um, Mm -hmm. and which I appreciated about uh, about your film. Um, And one of those things that, that, that you also connect uh, was that those same televangelists have a interesting connection to Trump and that they, that similar to his work with Trump university, they thrive by preying on the poor. Um, yeah. and I, I love to to have you, um, explain a little bit more about that and, um, just sort of what the, what the connection was there that, that you and your, your commentators uh, latched onto.
1: Yeah, there was this, I, I appreciated that, um, being, being given the chance in that segment of the film to connect what the dots as I saw them, which was that Trump has a lot in common with televangelists. So one of the things is that um, like the personal scandals, the sex scandals, uh, many televangelists have been have had to leave their jobs and leave the air because they've gotten caught in sex scandals. Mm -hmm. Trump has had his own storied history with sex scandals and divorces and affairs and that kind of thing. And even like I, I didn't get to go into this very much in the film, but if you just look at a televangelist, like <laughs> the hair,
0: <laughs> yeah, and the tan, yeah, uh,
1: that and the that is Trump looks like a televangelist, like the the big hair with all the hairspray and the fake tan, um, and that's really weird to me. And also like the gaudiness of like personal taste, and I don't know where this started with televangelists exactly. But like we show some footage inside the headquarters of Trinity Broadcasting Network and it's all this like fake gold painted over everything. And then we switch over to the inside of Mar-a-Lago in Florida. And again, it's all this fake gold. Like Trump has the same tastes Mm -hmm. as televangelists. And like the thing they have in common is that they, they come along to these people, their audience that they know they know full well are hurting and are vulnerable and are poor. And they're more likely to believe in something that's far fetched because they just have nothing to lose. Like the people who are vulnerable enough to watch televangelists and to part with what little money they have because the televangelists are going to pray for them and then they're going to be fine or God is going to bless them because they're giving them their hard earned money are the same people who came along and supported Trump because they believe that you know, we're so poor and we're so hurting and we're in areas of the country that are forgotten. This rich guy says he's gonna take care of us, so I guess he will. So let's vote for him. It's it's this it's the same relationship that Trump has with the forgotten people of America that televangelists have with the people who watch their shows. Like these these people in, in desperate situations who just need something to believe in and unfortunately they're not discerning enough to see that they're being taken advantage of mm. but like mm-hmm. what they what televangelists are doing uh to their flocks and to their viewers and to their supporters is what trump did with his voters
2: mm-hmm.
0: and he successfully took over the republican party as a result yeah. And remade totally. Yeah. Remade it in his own image. Um Absolutely. Yeah. Another uh, you know pardon me. I another sort of comment made in the movie is that uh that the highest rates of evangelicalism also correlate with the highest rates of both poverty and child neglect um
1: right.
0: when you look at it on a regional basis. Um which is just um I'm sort of am hesitant to use the word fascinating. I mean it it's it's a it's a crazy <laughs> yeah um correlation. Um and really because I don't want to say fascinating because it's disheartening and depressing. <laughs> um
1: yeah, it's it's from my there's this it is. There's this fetish among evangelicals for births of babies. And I I don't really get it because those same people, not, I'm just speaking anecdotally, like with people that I knew growing up, um, mm-hmm. the same people who were so rabid about being pro-life and anti-abortion were the same people who abused their own children, like beat their mm-hmm. own children. Um, so th- that, that, that disconnect is so obvious to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And yet it's it's something that I guess they don't see. Um, Yeah, I mean, the the, the other thing is that, you know, when I was in uh, junior high school, these people came around and they were supposed to teach us about sex education and safe sex. But the two women who came in from the Board of Health or whatever were both pretty clearly conservative Christians. So instead it was about how abstinence was the only approach and that, and about how, um, having sex even safely with protection or anything like that was not an option. And, uh, and abortion wasn't an option. It was just don't have sex before you're married. It's evil. It's wrong. It'll result in bad things. So that approach though, is what leads to more teen pregnancies
2: mm-hmm.
1: which in turn leads to more children being born without resources and without enough food to eat so it's not consistent you know like if they want to be if they want to be um anti-abortion, then they should teach safe sex and they should not Uh, Get rid of these programs that help take care of children, which, you know, like the Republican budget does. So if you follow that line of logic with the anti-abortion thought for very long, you run into big obstacles right away. And that's why for me, it's not again, it's not like the one thing that people should think of when they vote. Mm
0: hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it is absolutely a complete and total fixation. Um, one of the comments that is made in the movie is that uh, Christian character could be boiled down to not being gay and not being pro-choice. <laughs> sure, um, which which was just a very succinct uh, summation of evangelical political and social ethics. <laughs> yeah, um, unfortunately,
1: like yeah. that's how it was presented to me going yeah. to church. Like that's what I thought. Being christian was
0: right yeah um let's talk a little bit about your um your your commentators that 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 you have in in the movie because you ch- you chose some some really great uh commentators um so who uh who is president who is in the movie with you who do you uh who have you decided to interview and lean into their expertise?
1: I'm sorry, you cut out for a second. Oh, what would what, would you say?
0: Sure. Um so I I wanted to talk a little bit as well about your um the commentators that you have in the movie. Um yeah. and just sort of uh get a little bit of uh give a little bit of context for for those folks and
1: and how you leaned into their expertise. Oh, sure. Yeah, I like I said I started this kind of what was intended to be for my own edification, just trying to read what I could and watch what I could about how the evangelical church had had gotten so behind Trump. And so the people who were writing compelling things about it, I tried to contact some of them, the people who had, who had spoken about it or had um, provocative pieces about it. I tried to contact them. And also like members who were part of um what I would call now the Christian left, I tried to get in touch with them. So altogether, um I pulled together people who were able to shed light on what present day evangelicalism is and how their idea of the Christian faith doesn't line up with that anymore. And also like to people to explain what they're doing about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I initially, I I used to think of it as like the Christian, the religious right put Trump in office and the Christian left wants him out. So Mm -hmm. if we're going with that line of thought, who can shed light on what's wrong with the Christian right and what the Christian left, if anything, uh, can do about it. So like the, one of the first people that we see in the film is, um, Elizabeth Brunig from the Washington post
2: mm-hmm.
1: and she's, yeah, she's an interesting case cause she's a columnist for the Washington post. She's Catholic and I think she would say socialist and she's written a lot about like the, the role that evangelicals play in politics now.
0: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: And then in addition to that, there are people who are, I interviewed a few people who are Christian pastors who have nothing to do with evangelicalism anymore. Mm -hmm. So there are Christian pastors who are involved in political demonstrations and who are doing things that reflect what they see as the true character of Jesus and what Jesus was talking about. And they've totally left the religious right behind. And it's like their faith has become richer because of it. So yeah, all in all, I think they not only helped connect the dots, of how Trump got elected because of the religious right, but also like what Christianity is and what it can mean outside of that kind of toxic world that's tried to take, t- tried to take it over.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, that you, you do a good job of, of sort of touching on, on all of the sorts of aspects of, um, of evangelicalism as it intersects with politics, uh, the, you speak to Leah Shade, uh, about, I'm hope I'm saying her, her name correctly.
1: Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, you are. I, um, I, I actually, until it came time to actually record the narration, <laughs> I had been calling her Leah Shade. <laughs> and she, right before I started recording the narration, she told me, uh, oh, by the way, it's Shade. So <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, so
0: you you speak with her about the, um, uh, about evangelicalism's, uh, lack of concern about climate change. Um, you speak with Samantha Field about, um, uh, about gender and misogyny. Um, and you, and you speak to a number of, uh, like you mentioned, the, the pastors and, and others, um, who had very very good things to say from their lived experience of being in the leadership and being sort of within this cohort, um, with with all of those sorts of commentaries of people that have actually been in the in these um, in these situations, uh, including a the comment commentator who is a black trans man who is uh, now a pastor in a more progressive denomination. I apologize. What's the name of that individual? I didn't I don't I don't have it in my notes and we're recording this live. I apologize.
1: Oh no, that's fine. His name is Taj. T A J. Yes. Okay. Yeah, Taj Smith.
0: Taj, yes. He yeah. he had some uh some very, very moving things to say as well about the way in which uh his sort of experience was negated in, in evangelical spaces even casually. Um with with those sorts of Commentators, these sorts of folks that that come out of evangelicalism. Um, do you do you think the audience for this movie is folks who are sort of on that journey themselves, or folks that have no um, real bearing or understanding of sort of what this world is like? Um, or is it sort of a mix? What What do you think? Is there is there a primary audience, or um, or do you think? that that it can speak to both of those sorts of audiences at the same time.
1: I hope it can speak to both at the same time. I think on one level, it can be just kind of an educational thing for anybody who's wondered, like I did, how Trump, um, whose character is anything but Christian, whose ethics are anything but Christian, got the Christian vote. So I think that's part of it, just to kind of learn how and why that happened. Mm -hmm. And then the other part of it is it's almost like, you know, personally, after talking to all those people and after putting the story together, I felt uh, greater permission to just be – express my faith in a way that felt true for me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Like they uh, – I, I I came away actually feeling a lot more hopeful than I did at the beginning of the process because I saw all these different ways that people were expressing their Christian faith and people who were totally sick of the evangelical world but who were not sick of the teachings of Jesus of Nazareth. Mm-hmm. And that really rang true for me because I, I've always been inspired by – those teachings and by the gospels, those, those mean a lot to me. They still mean a lot to me. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And yet, like I had to cut away the toxic kind of what Christianity had become, especially here in America. I had to just, just forget, just not even consider that Christianity anymore. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I was like, with this film, I was surrounded by people who had already kind of gone, gone more steps down that path than I had yet. So I was able to see many examples of people living out their faith in many different ways. And I think all of them are Christians. Mm -hmm. And I don't think like um, like Taj Smith said in the film, like I I, he said, I have a deep love of God, of Jesus that nobody can deny me just because I'm not straight and just because I'm a trans individual, I I still get to be a Christian if that's Mm -hmm. what I believe. Right. And there's like uh, Samantha Field also. It's like um, she's bisexual and a feminist, which, you know, both of those things I think have been demonized by the religious right. But nobody gets to tell her that she's not a Christian because she is. And she's reconciled all those things together. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that people, especially there are so many people as you know probably better than anybody who are going through this deconstruction process, and everybody each person has to land wherever feels okay for them
2: mm-hmm.
1: And this film is full of people who have landed, and they've they see their faith and they know their faith and they embrace it and it none of them look quite the same, but they're all living their faith um, in a way that I think is healthy so that's another thing that I hope people take away from it is that you know their faith doesn't have to fit inside the lines of very much or of like the standards that other people have set. It's kind of you know whatever you believe as long as it keeps you from being an ass or it keeps you from being you know a a a bad force in the world then i uh, that's you know that that's great that then that's your faith, yeah. Yeah,
0: that's, that's very, very well said. I I really appreciate that. Um, especially that the way you said that these are, these are folks that landed. Um, yeah. I think there's something uh, really profound to that. Um, because I,
1: yeah, yeah. Sorry. I, I came away from, I think after I had done the interview with Stuart Deloney, um, he, he and I had breakfast the next day before I flew back home. And um, he kind of asked me where I was in my faith process after doing all these interviews and editing all this footage and I said, I'm more excited about my faith than I've ever been because mm. I, I see that it I have maintained it and it propels me to want to do good. Mm. And even though I can I've I've identified the poisonous parts of Christianity, especially like Christian nationalism. I don't have to have anything to do with that anymore. I can still pursue my faith in a way that has nothing to do with it. And it still fulfills me just as much as it always did, if not more.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things that that your, your movie is very, very good at is showing just how much evangelicalism in particular, um, not Christianity in general, but... White American evangelicalism, in particular, um, is just completely inter- now intertwined with the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's mid-October when we're recording this; the the midterm election day is is right around the corner. Um,
1: You're right. You better get registered.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, so with 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 that in mind. Um. What did do you have? Any, do you have any any thoughts as far as wh- how how you'd like people to receive this? Uh, how how you'd like like the sort of posture or um or anything that 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 folks might have going into those elections, and if they are sort of wrestling with these questions, and um, sort of trying to decide whether you know whether they may need. To in order to be consistent with their own ethic, they may need to break from a group ethic that they're being taught at at their church or or somewhere else. Um, do you have any any sort of encouragement for them going into this? Because I'm I'm sure that there are going to be crisis of conscience happening uh, left and right <laughs> for for some folks.
1: Yeah, I I guess so. I I don't see how there's can be much um crisis of conscience because it's pretty clear to me like uh i was talking to a friend of mine about this recently about how you know he said his parents never really taught uh politics to him
2: Mm.
1: and i and i thought you know that that makes sense but now because of the way things are just from trying to teach your kids right and wrong, you come out condemning a certain political party
2: mm. here. Mm-hmm.
1: And so there's this group called uh, Vote Common Good. Um, people like Shane Claiborne are, are uh, involved with them. But they're doing this this caravan tour where they're going around to different cities in the south and just trying to encourage people to register to vote and to vote uh just based on basic morals and decency and if they vote that way by default they're not going to vote for republicans unfortunately like there's just i i think i think it's very very hard to find any decency or morality in the republican party anymore and i i wouldn't have said that until the last couple of years Mm -hmm. so i think and you know like I, I, they said, Vote Common Good said recently, on you know November fourth is a Sunday, so if you go in on, to church on Sunday, and you study the Beatitudes, for example, you would come away with that if you took it seriously, and if you let the Beatitudes touch you, and you feel it, you let Jesus's words touch you, you couldn't go and vote for Republicans. You you couldn't. Because they they don't represent that in any way. They don't. I mean, they've shown over the last couple of years um, they don't care about about like women who are sexually abused. They, they don't. They don't care about that. They don't care about families or children. I mean, they separate them and lock them in cages. So that to me is that's it makes it very clear mm-hmm. um who believes in good and who believes in evil right so that that makes it very easy for me yeah i'm i'm right there with you <laughs> yeah i know yeah. <laughs> and i i'm really excited because on monday i i helped a friend of mine who's a little bit younger than i am get registered to vote for the first time mm. so I I mean, I I live in Massachusetts, so it probably doesn't make that much of a difference. But yeah, like um, President Obama was asked recently, is America going to be okay?" And he said, yeah, if everybody gets involved, it will be like uh, the way that the Senate and the House of Representatives is set up, like uh, it's almost entirely white. And then when you look at America, it's it's not almost entirely white, not even close. So just that, that disproportionate amount of white guys in power calling all the shots, that's not leading to anything good. So if everybody gets involved, like people of color and women and minorities, people are used to being left out. if they start helping make decisions, then America is going to be, I think, fantastic in the long run. Mm hmm
0: well I, I do think that uh, yeah that that's a very very good way to um to sort of sum up <laughs> to sum up things here uh, and i am very excited for for people to to learn about your movie and hopefully be able to take a look and, and see and see what you put together and what you've been able to connect and and put into this uh Put into this format, because I think that the more the more different ways that we can allow people to to learn about this part of our culture um that some people don't even that aren't aware of the machinations <laughs> of evangelicalism uh and and the republican party um the the better off we'll be so I appreciate that that you put in all this time and effort and and uh, have made this available where can people purchase the movie where can they see it
1: yeah it's available now on iTunes and Amazon Prime Video so uh, those two places it's it's streaming now so they can watch it uh, rent or purchase and yeah that's the, that's the main place to see it and then um, yeah that's it great and where can people find
0: more out about it? Do you have a website or any other any other place that you'd like to, to send people to learn more about the movie, learn more about your work in general?
1: Yeah, uh, the website is com, and I'm on Instagram at ingodwetrumpfilm, uh, Twitter at Maloney's Movies, and Facebook also, Christopher Allen Maloney. So any of those places, they should be able to keep up with what's happening with the movie.
0: Great. Awesome, again, Christopher. Thank you so much for for joining me this evening. I know it's late for you, and I and I again, I I am very thankful for um for for you putting this movie together and for talking to me about it for a little while.
1: Yeah, absolutely, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.